It's just too many. It's too many. The thing that I think when I was looking at Card Kingdom the other day is like what they need to do is now have the regular thing, then foils, and they need now a separate etched one because they're obviously going hard on this etched thing, even though I hope they stop doing it because it just makes everything way more complicated than it needs to be. But just too many versions, way too many. It dilutes the whole thing. But I think at the same time it also makes... Uh, like regular fetches, if you just want the non-foil, non-extended, non-etched, non-old border, just regular old fetch. It's so cheap, like as cheap, I think, as it will probably ever be. Really good time to get fetches, which I didn't think would be the case. Like they said they were going to meaningfully reprint them, but I didn't, like, my faith is always like so low in things they say they're going to do and that they won't do and when they change things. Um, But this seems like genuinely the most, insane print of fetches ever fetches are everywhere and you can get them in australian dollars for like 50 bucks which is like 35 us dollars like crazy for a misty rainforest and that's like full arts as well like yeah if you just want like the regular regular version i I don't even know what they are so cheap that's good i think someone made the argument that you only really need like two versions of each because people will either have the mindset that they want the cheapest version of the card because it's functionally the same as the most expensive, or they want the most expensive version of the card because it looks the nicest. Totally. Yep. And that's, that's yeah. Yeah, so having like the 10 versions in the middle that are all slightly different, it doesn't appeal to a, a great enough section of people. It boggles my mind who old boarded etched foils are made for. I can't figure out what subsection of the market wants an etched foil old border surely you would just want the foil version but they've just added this whole etched thing that's just super super weird and they look super weird because if you're not looking at the right angle you you literally can't even make out what the card is because it's just like little bits of glitter everywhere and you can't see what it is like you look at a fetch from across the table and you don't even know what it is weird Sorry, I'm my mic's. I've I've. So my microphone has a um, it has a like like me mics do right. It has like a volume knob thing on the front, right, to turn it up and down. But I don't know which direction is which. And what's happened here? I think it's fine now. I accidentally turned it down. Well, yeah, I accidentally turned it down, and then I couldn't. But maybe I tended to... Anyway, I was really struggling. I wasn't getting any sound picking up in the recording. I was really worried about it. I was trying to turn myself up a little bit, and I don't think I've succeeded. I think I've just stuffed around. So what you couldn't hear, because I was muted, but what will come up in my recording is me talking to myself a bunch, going, this isn't oh, better. Why am I not... Why, why am I so quiet? No, no, no. Both Kyle and I heard you the entire time, Ian. We just... Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. I'm glad you're such professional podcasters that you just kept talking anyway, though. That's really good. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, welcome to the Faction Podcast. There are only three of us this week. A great calamity has befallen us because Trent isn't here. That's weird. It is weird. And Kyle's here, which is almost as weird. Not anymore, it's not. No, he's right back into it. This is the third one in a row. That's true, actually. He's, he's more of a regular than me at this point. This is great. <laughs> we need to update the website. It's not, not a good trend. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you graduate, Kyle. Suddenly you have time for these things. Yeah, I know. It's strange. 
Mm. What's on the menu today, Ian? Well, today we're going to talk about more modern, because that's what I've been playing lots of. But I believe, and I guess this is sort of where um, that discussion about card variations has come from, we're also going to talk a little bit about Modern Horizons 2 and some Limited that I know you and Kyle played. No, don't know what you're talking about, Ian. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, I think the, the many versions thing is very interesting. And my two thoughts on it are, firstly, I feel so sorry for distributors and like stores who oh. have to categorize everything. Yeah. And doubly so given that I've heard etched foils are different in, I think it was Europe and North America. Because no, etched or regular? No, I think it's regular foils. Oh, is it? One of them, I remember, had like widespread, probably printing errors, probably not intentional, in one of the regions so that they're different. That's right. Yeah, that's that's how you make the 12 versions, actually. Yeah, So it's yeah, because I was thinking, why am I only counting nine versions of every card? But it's 12 because depending on which region as well, the old bordered foils will either have the entire card foiled or just the border foiled. Um, and I don't know if that accounts for etched foils. I think it might just be regular old bordered foils. So, yeah, I think it's something like 12 versions of every single card in the set, which is just bananas is too much yeah it it's kind of mind-blowing and i do wonder whether as kyle said all these like versions sort of in between the most premium and the cheapest sort of don't have very strong niches i guess there are niches of people who don't like old bordered so they like the extended art or borderless ones but yeah i guess i was probably a bit dramatic in saying only two versions like you can have whatever foil version you want and an old border version of people who are old boarded and then just a cheap version for everyone who just wants the card to do what the card says. Yeah. To my mind, it would be best if they just took out all the etched crap. So old border should just be old border, whether it's because you've got people that do like old border non-foils. So that should be a thing. Old border foil should be a thing. It's probably the most premium version of a card. And then there should be the regular and the regular foil. And then maybe the extended art, I guess. But then you're starting to get back up to like six versions anyway. So I don't know. I think I also saw someone saying it detracts, like having so many different versions detracts from when they do the special art, which I suppose, I don't know how you feel about special art. So for instance, in Aquaria, how they had all the comic book art for the mutate cards. Mm. So that just adds like an entirely separate series. And then of course, I think in right, general, like the etched foils are more expensive than the comic book art. So like you've gone to all this effort to make a nice cohesive series of things and it's just overshadowed by something else and much more difficult to get because you have more versions of everything. That's right. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's interesting. In the end, I think for me personally, I fall pretty strongly in the camp of cheapest version magic online is slightly different i do have some cards that i actually own on magic online purely because i like those versions and cards are so cheap often on magic online but in general in paper i'm very much like cheapest version available so if having more versions means there are like potentially cheaper cards then i'm all for it and my general rule with magic to be honest and magic's many many products is like even if it's not for me it's not doing me any harm to offer all these products for different niches and different people 
Yeah. You, th- look, there's probably something to that, to be honest, because as I kind of was saying before with the old water thing, that I'm like, oh, there's extended arts, because then there's people who love extended art and they want everything to be extended art in their deck. So I guess you might as well have one for them too. Yeah, a lot of versions. I don't know. But the fact that it none of that matters, fetches are cheaper, which for so many people that have been crying out for that for so long, that is a really good thing. It's now, if you have commander decks, you want to build a modern deck, whatever, buy your mana base right this second. It will not stay this cheap. And it's never been this cheap to build an awesome mana base with fetches. So just go do it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I know Kyle and I have been talking about potentially just buying a bunch of fetches, which is really interesting for me especially because I don't own that many magic cards and I don't have any paper modern events coming up at the moment given we're only just coming back out of lockdown. I don't really have anything in my calendar where I'd actually use them, but you're right, it's just such a case of if I think there's any chance I'm going to use them, they're never going to be cheaper than they are now. And I remember the last time this happened when with the ally ones actually so when Khans was printed and it was the same thing they will never be cheaper than they are now and i oh god when did cards come out i must have been like 14 15 wow that's long before my time old man (laughs) (laughs) when did cards come out and i'm gonna look this up now because kyle's not living up to his job as the research guy and hasn't supplied me with the date yet I was going to do it, but I have to mute my microphone because my keyboard's too loud. There we go, 2014. September 26, 2014. So I was 16, so I did not have that much income. And even so, I own, like, a playset of Bloodstained Myers, a playset of Foothills, and I think I own three... Yeah, I think it's three Windswept Heaths. I think I now also own five Polluted Deltas, but that those came later. <laughs> What I'm wondering is, is do you guys, do either of you know the answer to this? If they do Modern Horizons 3 and they do that allied or enemy, whatever the one is with Polluted Delta and Bloodstained Mire and stuff, if they do that one again, will they have old boarded foils of that or not because there's onslaught old boarded foils of them? You know what I mean? Like, do they ever reprint Mm -hmm. an old border foil of a card that already has an old border foil? That's really interesting, because they haven't yet, right? All of the old-boarded cards never had the old-boarded before. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, because if you want to make... The, like, if you, for a cube or something, want them all to be old-boarded foil, it's like you can get all these ones now for, like, 100 bucks each, but then you have to get the Onslaught ones, which, God knows, last time I looked were, like, $600 each that or something. That must be a lot, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now that they've completed the set on the other side, I'm oh, sure yeah, they've sure. just gone completely out of control. But I don't yeah. know, does it mean that they won't ever do that? I, I don't know. I don't know, that's interesting. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out two years from now. <laughs> yeah, please call call in, let us know. Are any of the reprint new to modern cards in Modern Horizons 2, do they get any old border file treatments or chances at it? Like Upheaval or Sterling Grove or whatever. No, Upheaval does not have an old border foil. I know that. It's probably true for the rest of them then, because they'd all I be in the same category. Does Shardless? Because Shardless didn't have an old boarded. No. No, exactly, but it's it's now got one. Yeah, but I think yeah. you were asking for like Onslaught Fetches, ones that... Exactly, ones that yeah. already do, so cards like Upheaval... Does Upheaval have a... 
I don't, I'm not even sure that Upheaval has an old boarded foil. I mean, as in, like, it, that it ever did. Um, hold on, let me just have a quick squares. It is from Odyssey, so it has an old boarded yeah, version. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. And it did not get an old boarded version <laughs> in Modern Horizons 2. How's that for a disparity for the... for? <laughs> Virtually every copy of Upheaval is like three cents, and for the old boarded four version, $130. Oh, man. Yep, yep. Quite the disparity. Yes, that is a lot of... Yes, there's a big gap. But it looks like the answer to your question, at least so far, is they probably won't, which is interesting. So that means if you want a polluted Delta Onslaught foil... Oh, only $1,500 out of stock on Card Kingdom. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so when are they getting added to the Vintage queue? So, but why wouldn't they... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't they... I don't know why... Yeah, I don't... Are they protecting people that have those cards or something? Like, why wouldn't they just make those two? Yeah, no. Wizards is really good at sticking to some promises and not others. Oh, isn't that so true? Yeah, particularly Which, uh, this week with the whole prize money thing. If you're not on Magic Twitter, then good for you, actually. You <laughs> a lot of time saved. That's probably better off, to be honest. I know, right? Yeah. Watching just half the world of Magic Twitter have mental breakdowns every day. Yeah. Good times. There's always new drama. Every Honestly, day. it's kind of refreshing that the drama this time was Watsy doing something and not two players having drama, you know? Yeah, yep. So for those of you who missed it, the World Championship at the end of this year, which was originally announced as a $1 million prize pool, Watsy announced this week that it's actually only $250,000. And when I say announced, there wasn't like an announcement being like, we're cutting the prizes, this is why, like... You know, or any sort of formal thing. It was just put in the info about the World Championship, the like about page under prize pool. Oh, now says two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I was yeah. wondering why I couldn't see nothing linked back to the source, and I was like, how does everyone know this? Yeah. Oh no way! So they just quietly changed it. Yeah, they just like changed that page, just like sneakily, hoping no one would notice. Obviously, everyone, obviously, someone noticed and screenshotted it, and now it's all over Twitter. Man. So. This is really bad, obviously, because everyone's already qualified for the World Championship. I think I think ever I think all other slots are taken up. I think they so, still have their gauntlet thing. Oh, that's true. Actually, most of the slots are taken up, though. So people have you know spent most of the last year trying to qualify for this thing in a lot of cases on the theory that it's a one million dollar tournament, and it's only 20, 24, 48 people. Is that right? Don't know. That's asking too much. Well, so you you'd have gone absolutely ham trying to qualify for that just to now be told that it's 25 percent of the prize pool you were working so hard for oof yes and it's it's not only that but like so your ev of the world championship is just like slashed it's it's a quarter of what it was and it's that's like thousands of dollars in ev (laughs) that got cut and obviously the thing i think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way is the fact that people are very qualified for this. Like, because winding down professional play, professional play in air quotes, you know, that's kind of not that surprising at this point. And honestly, you know, there's, you can debate about whether it's actually worth it for Wizards at this point. Mm. You know, so honestly, if they'd cancelled next year's World Championship, I think people wouldn't have been that... Well, they would have been upset, but not as much as this, where there's a lot of people who are already qualified for it and have worked really hard to qualify for it. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a can you imagine? Rough. Can you imagine the the taste in the mouth of the person who wins it? That like final game, you know, action that they take and they win worlds, and all they're thinking it would hundred percent not thinking about the money they've made, but the money that they could have made is all that the narrative will be. That's yep. so sad. And it's been made worse by the fact that what's you've posted record profits the past couple of years, even sure. through the pandemic. So when they originally cut. I think it was it was a bit over two million dollars from organized play again right before the season started. This was last year or the year before, I think, last year. At the time they said it was because of the pandemic. And we've since discovered that in fact the pandemic hasn't harmed their profit margin at all. Secret Lair does not care about a pandemic. Yeah, well Secret Lair and Arena don't care. In fact, you know, arguably I would imagine Watsi has a higher profit margin on people playing Arena than people playing like F and M. Oh, no doubt. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's magic news. We're not much of a, a news podcast. Can I just say that my favorite thing whenever something like this happens on Magic Twitter is like all the people that come in are like, "Well, not that I'm a lawyer or anything, but I think the case could be made to <laughs> like have a class action." And then someone else will be like, "Well, I am a lawyer, and you're just Mister Twitter, and this and that." And then everyone just gets into these like convoluted law arguments, which is really funny. Yeah, I did see someone suggest whether or not, you know, ask, ask basically whether or not there was grounds for a, a class action based on, like, basically wage theft, which, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an Australian lawyer, let alone an American one, so yeah. I have no idea. And I know there are lawyers within, prominent lawyers within the Magic player base. So. I mean, wouldn't, I mean, wage theft seems like that's completely out of line because it's, they're not wages at all, so it's just, it's, it's yeah. But you can see some of the some of the arguments that people make. Um, you can, but then it's so clearly written. Like when you actually read the thing, it's like we can literally change the prize to zero if we want on the day of the tournament. So that's interesting. The original announcement didn't have any qualifications like that. It didn't have any terms and conditions. They just straight up advertise a million dollar prize pool with no, um, no. Surely, now surely it was somewhere in the in the fine print, right? I don't know. I'll be honest. I, don't, I haven't done that much research on it, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think a company as big as... A company that's turning over a billion dollars annually, the, 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 yeah, they would yeah. easily have... Someone's that. checking it, right? They have lawyers, yeah. like, yeah. surely someone's... Yeah. Especially in the US. My God, so litigious. Yeah. Of course they've got someone checking something like that. So at the opposite end of the spectrum from the World Championship, I believe, Kyle and Dan, you played a release weekend sealed? Take it away, Kyle, because, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle basically made all of the uh, the deck-building decisions and, um, yeah, made, made all of the gameplays. How'd you go, Kyle? My favourite part of Two-Head Giant. <laughs> One person with two sets of hands. I'm pretty sure Perfect's <laughs> just saying this, that he can't, like, have any fault for why we didn't do well. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So how did you do? Not well. So we had this idea that upheaval was really good, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Um, Papak would cast upheaval. I'd just float all my mana, not needing to cast upheaval. And then I'd have a heap of mana left to cast things. And our opponents would have nothing. That's a good theory. I like that theory. Yeah, it makes sense, right? And Papak's actually shouldn't be terrible at rebuilding either, because he had three ornithopters and two of the other dorks. So, like, he should have excess mana as well. 
Is Ornithopter a thing you want to rebuild? Oh, no, the, the yeah, Ornithopter. Yeah, 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 the Paradise I was like, I, mean, yeah. I guess you can play your Ornithopter after Upheaval, but <laughs> yeah. then you have three Ornithopters in your deck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not going to lie, I also had that problem when we were playing. It's like, crap at casting Ornithopters. I'm like, I don't remember putting O2s that do nothing in our deck. It was, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely many times where I was like, oh, man, my deck is just Ornithopters, card draw, and Upheaval. That's it. How so, many Upheavals did you have? Just one. We, we always got there with the upheaval, but it was yeah. just like blowout central. It was insane. In the first game, the first game, it looked the most promising. And I think it was because we hadn't yet been blown out. But we yeah. were like, <laughs> we were like, we actually got a really good upheaval in that one where I think I netted four or net four mana after the upheaval. So I'm like four mana, Carl's like 10 mana, uh, play out a bunch of stuff. We're all good. Upheaval, it's amazing. We're, we're killing it. And then the guy just goes, Island. We go back. We probably should have been a bit more aggressive. And then it goes back to him. He goes, Island. Back to him, Island. Mill you both for 14. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, now we're dead. <laughs> like, you know, like we had him on the crack back after that. But <laughs> Mill 14 in a sealed format is the most broken thing I've ever seen. It should not be yeah. legal. Especially in Two Head Giant, where the games are just naturally a lot slower. Yeah, yeah, because you're actually milling 28 cards for three mana. Well, it's... kind of. You're <laughs> only milling 28 cards if you consider your decks as 80-card decks. I like 180-card decks. <laughs> I guess. But who has? Because when you've drawn your thing, you've only got 30 cards left once you've drawn it and played out a thing or two um, by turn yep. three. So you've only got 30 cards and it just literally mills half your deck or in our case, our whole deck. Yeah, right. maybe we could have played that game a bit differently. We didn't think we could lose, you know, having 14 floating mana between us on effectively turn one of the game. No, that sounds very promising. And so rather than play, like, a single creature each, we decided to play some Ornithopters out so, you know, we'd have more mana to keep going <laughs> on the following turns. But turns out if we just played that single creature and just attacked with it, it would have worked out better. Yeah, the mm. creature being Phantasmal mm. Dreadmore. Had we okay. just played that out instead of two Ornithopters, then it would have cracked for six and it would have been enough. So, yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure after that, you played much better and won the rest of your games, right? Oh, Kyle, um, why don't you tell them about Blowout number two? Uh, so, number two, I didn't read a card properly. This is that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, Which yeah, that was this? number two, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Uh. I mean, admittedly, I haven't played Bone Shredder in Cube for a long time. Uh, we, did you try and kill a black creature? No, I, knew I couldn't kill a black creature. I tried to kill an artifact. Yeah. Uh, mm, yes. Yeah, it was one of those things so where it was like, because we needed to exactly, we had that said and done so we could tap down two creatures a turn and bring it back a few times with the reclamation sage, whatever the different. And eternal witness. It, sorry, eternal witness, whatever that one was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the new one. So we could we could keep looping that while getting in with, with our attackers, um, but we tapped down the wrong things and then tried to kill the one that wasn't and it's an artifact and there. Yeah, which was unfortunate. Which, yeah. Okay. But as an aside, it does seem that Bone Shredder is much worse in this format than I thought it would be. Maybe Way it was just because worse. it's too giant. Because there was always like one affinity player and so there was always one side of the board where I could just stop, not kill anything. Well, there are several archetypes in this format that are artifact based, right? I there must know, be. Probably. There's so many artifacts. Well, that team one because they had a equipment that has artifact walk and artifact everyone land walk, yeah. yeah so everyone's got an artifact land um and then they just 
walk through for seven every turn and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. I guess you could kill the creature. Yeah, I think I think if I had read the card properly, we probably would have won. Yep, exactly. Yeah, right. Good. But Good. Anyway, um, so that was that match. Uh, next match was probably the worst blowout. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we got this upheaval set up. We had to do it a little bit early because our opponent had a very good affinity draw. Like we just played, like, multiple one-drops into the nine-mana Cascade spell on turn four or something. Mm, okay, yeah, good start. The kind of thing that upheaval can deal with, though. Yeah. That's true. And their teammate had cast the ramp rebound spell, which was, I thought, not very good, but, you know, enough reason when they're two, three lanes ahead of us to make upheaval sound reasonable. Yeah, upheaval sounds really good in this spot. Mm, it does. Certainly and does. I can still float all my mana, so it's fine. I was just going to cast my spells afterwards. So we do all that. I cast my spells. Papak casts his uh, hard events, I think, uh, because he had one mana left over, so why not? Uh, and then we're like, all right, go to discard. My opponent's like, no, we're going to spend our floating <laughs> mana now and cast the the card, the seven mana storm card that makes a 4-4 beast for each spell cast this turn. <laughs> and we just rebuilt both of our boards. Yep. Right. Yep. So he's like, he's like, here's 20 power of 4-4s. Go. So, <laughs> My so, turn. Yeah, r- rather than us having the setup against them, they just had 20 power while we had not as much on the board, which is not very good. <laughs> while we had two ornithopters. Yeah, the thing about yeah upheaval as Armageddon is you're meant to be a head on board after you cast. Yeah, mm, well, exactly. I, I put in play uh, a two turn clock because I had we got opened a ne- necrogoyf, I think is the name. Oh, that's right. Of course, um, yeah. its powers equal to the number of creatures in the graveyard, which is convenient with upheaval because everyone discards half the hand. Um, mm, yep. So yep, you know, it was good. like seventeen power or something. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, we'll just kill them in two turns. And that did not happen. Well, because then the affinity player just goes one drop, which blocks yeah. the 17-4. And then we're like, okay, he's like, another one drop. You're like, all right, well, okay. I mean, and then they're just like, problem, but abyssing yeah. them every time probably would have been good too. But Yeah. And, and then not having 20 power of beasts yeah, or squirrels right. or whatever the hell they were beating that, us down. That, that was yeah. the bigger problem, yes. <laughs> But then we won a game after that, which is the Dude. most important thing. We played this awesome father-daughter combination. Uh, she said that he took her to her first FNM when she was eight years old. Yeah. Wow. Um, she was the Scars of Meriden. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is insane. And, and then uh, they seemingly didn't play for like seven years after that. So, <laughs> Yeah, which judging by the... Um, Bless them. Bless their cotton socks. They did a great job. But wow, if there was a chess clock on that game, it was like every turn took... I was going to say, because like, if you started playing Scars of Meriden, that was 2010. So like, if she was 8, she's she's 19 now. 18 or 19 now. So it's not like you're playing against like, you know, a child and her dad. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, no, no. No, no, not at all. Yeah, and she was clearly the one, like, calling the shots. She had SCG slaves, so she knew what she was doing. That's right, yeah. <laughs> she was like definitely, you, yeah, I feel like you've been playing since you were eight for 11 years now. You'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um, they were fine. The decks were... She was kind of playing an affinity-type build, and her dad was playing... He had three Chatterfangs and four <laughs> and four of the Storm that the... Chatterstorm. Yeah. yeah. Um... Notably, but, uh, the, the Chatterfangs for each different art. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Three. Well, of they them. got a third of the versions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but we got them. We upheavaled them. The game went well, well over time. Thankfully, because it was the last round, they didn't stop us playing. Um, we just kept looping upheaval. Upheaval, <laughs> an eternal witness. Yeah. An eternal witness. Because it would bring back the eternal witness yeah, just right. to get you back You were those upheaval. people, huh? Yeah. Well, so I had planned on winning much faster, but turns out four of my five reanimator spells were at the bottom of my deck. So mm. I was not doing a whole lot that game. <laughs> yeah, we had that awesome Mardu dragon um, and never got to cast it. The only time we were almost got to cast it was in the game before where the guy... Um, use the storm spell to get all that stuff out. We yeah. got it in the bin, and then he immediately went endurance and put it on the bottom of our deck. On <laughs> Carl's deck, it's like okay, that's, that's very so rude. rude. A yeah. mythic hate card, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and they also did the the. They also had the the three mana mill fourteen because he does that on turn four or something, and he goes, oh, I guess I'll get the mill train started, and <laughs> cast that, and I'm like started. <laughs> What the hell does that mean? And it turns out they had two of them in their deck too, so... Oh, we just got crushed. I feel like looping upheaval without killing your opponent is something that gets you banned from Commander Knight. Oh, no doubt. Well, command, it's, it, upheaval's illegal in Commander. Okay, well, definitely then. Uh, upheaval would be the most obnoxious... Oh my god, if you could play that in Commander, that would be the most obnoxious thing you could do. Like... Wow. But yeah, no, for that reason, is absolutely banning Commander. But yeah, in the other games when we cast up people, we were like going to close the game out quickly. We just lost instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Our, pool's, our pool was really weak. Some people's yeah, decks seem really strong compared to yeah, ours. Not great. It's like red was the color with the most cards, but it was also the color with the most unplayable cards. Yeah, we had like, I think, four or five red rares. Um, out of the 12 rares that we get. So, yeah. and they were all, I mean, like, Ragavan was like the best of them, but completely unplayable for everything that was around it. So, yeah. Just not ideal to be making two decks from four colors. Don't have many choices left, but. Mm, yeah. You know what, Dan? After that double coma pool, I don't think you get to open a good pool for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in this format, like, I, is there even a coma in this format that's, like, clearly, if you cast this, you just win? I, I don't even think Ar- there is Archon anything like that. that Tate had. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tate did very, very well. He, uh, he actually only lost to Charles, the owner of the store, interesting, uh, who had Garth, and apparently it was very good. Yeah, Garth, Garth seems like it would be quite good. Yeah, a lot of value. So <laughs> that's the only thing right. Tate lost to at the end of the day. Uh, and don't don't, don't um, give in to peer pressure to buy collector's boosters. Because oh, yeah. they spent $200 between them and opened not very much. And I successfully avoided that. Yeah. So there's a tradition at Maze. Well, it's not really a tradition. Basically, if Tate and there's like three or four other guys that play Commander that Tate and I, you know, and sometimes Kyle play with, uh, and they've got this horrible habit of buying collector's boosters and like making it very much a group experience where everyone just basically eggs each other on until they drain their bank accounts buying collector's boosters. And for MH2, you're talking about $60 a booster. So the three of us. Really, sixty dollars a booster. Oh, dude, yeah, Whoa. yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, though, like you can get two, 
for the where prices are currently like you could easily get two foils that are like a hundred dollars each you know based on what prices are now i know they'll go down but like the value is just off the chain in this set it's just crazy it, it shouldn't have been as bad as that specific instance was but it was horrible oh, yeah so all three yeah yeah take myself and will bought a collector's booster each and we probably had combined value of like four dollars fifty between the three boosters so <laughs> it was pretty bad <laughs> thankfully kyle didn't partake although i'm sure the the one pack that he didn't take had the magic had, had lottery yeah Maybe. exactly we'll, we'll never know who knows gotta be in it to win it kyle <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh so what were you doing, Ian, while we were playing Sealed? I think I was sleeping. So this was Sunday morning, and I decided to play the Saturday Night Challenge because we talked about this last week briefly. We talked about the Bant Soul Herder deck that won one of the challenges, and Trent was just, you know, in love with the deck, and I was more quietly in love with the deck. And I went and I immediately, genuinely, immediately, as soon as we finished recording on Monday night... I fired up a league and played a match or two, I think. Ended up either 4-1 or 5-0'd that league, I think. Nice. With the exact same list. And then later in the week, I went back and I made some changes to it. Notably, I went up to four Noble Hierarchs because the 19 land deck with... just Noble Hierarchs really good in bands, so put four of those in. I like changed some of the flex slots a little bit, but basically the same deck. And I, I think, and I five out a league with it, and then was enjoying the deck so much. I thought the deck was really good that I decided I was going to play one of the challenges this weekend. Unfortunately, I had to play the Saturday one, which actually starts at one a.m. on Sunday, which meant I think I was asleep for your sealed event. <laughs> uh. Um, actually, yeah, I think I was asleep for part of it. I actually felt more awake than I usually do. I slept like three hours beforehand I think and then had a nap after the event was over went surprisingly quickly actually it was an eight round event and it finished in six and a half hours not counting not counting top eight which surprised me actually so that was a pleasant surprise and I actually did play all eight rounds ended up going five three so that's pretty good not quite the result I was like pretty good pretty good uh, solid result I started out 3-0 and I definitely felt like <sighs> you know there was it was one of those ones where I started out 3-0 and felt like I had the potential to maybe go deep uh, and then just didn't didn't quite get there yeah 33rd on breakers is a bit unfortunate I did yeah 33rd on breakers was real rough mm. um, that that one hurt a little bit but the deck was a lot of fun to play, so I played I beat Green Red Ponza, beat Ad Nauseam, which that matchup is horrific for Ad Nauseam. The deck with like four meddling mages and four Teferis, it's yeah. Uh blue black I beat Were Prison, like Lantern Control, which same thing. Main deck like Knight of Autumn and Skyclave Apparitions and a bunch of meddling mages and wow. that was really good. I think I think I sent a message to you actually. I finished I think it was the Ad Nausea match in 11 minutes. And this is after the very first match. So the first match we played on Monday night, we very nearly timed out against Amulet Titan because I, like, locked them out by flickering a Stonehorn Dignitary and 
you know, locked them out of combat. It was going to take forever to win. And we ended up timing out. Well, we didn't quite time out. We timed out our opponent. At which point I'm thinking, yeah, this is typical Soul Herder. Really, really slow. This is like a prison deck, essentially. And then I finished my match against Ad Nauseam in 11 minutes. And I don't know I'll ever get to play that fast a match with this deck again. Far out. Nice. So I started out really good, started out 3-0, and then the wheels fell off a bit. I lost to Ponza because game one... So I think that matchup's pretty good because you have Aetherval and you have Mana Dorks. So you can you don't care that much about the Blood Moon or the land destruction. And then you just... You, you're very grindy and you have a lot of value and Green Red doesn't kill you that fast. But game one I lost to their absolute nut drawer of they had Mana Dork into Blood Moon on turn two, on the play, which would have been actually fine for me because I had Noble Hierarch on turn one, but they also had Fury to kill my Noble Hierarch. Oh. It was... Yeah, it was that's brutal. brutal. And then I made a mistake in game two that cost me, and then I lost to Hardened Scales as well, and once again, I made a mistake in game two that cost me and just got run over very quickly. I did fight back and beat Tima Cascade, so with Rhinos, game one, I was telling Kyle about this, I... They cast all four of their Crashing Footfalls in game one. Nice. And I managed to win by having Deputy of Detention and exiling their, all of their Rhinos. <laughs> That's great. And it would, it would, like, come into play, exile their Rhinos, they'd kill it, I'd, like, return it with Eternal Witness, play it again, get their Rhinos again, like... That was a card I was definitely sceptical of, and if I had not played the deck without making changes, which is something I definitely recommend when you pick up a list, is always just, like... Play the exact 75 that got the result without changing anything first. Mm. And I definitely... Because otherwise it would come to Deputy of Detention. Because the deck already had Skyclave Apparition and Knight of Autumn. And I think generally Skyclave Apparition is a lot better. But it turns out there are situations where Deputy is the perfect card and no other card would do it. And Rhinos are one of those cards. Same with Construct Tokens as well. Oh yeah, of course. So... Where is that at? Like uh, the Urza Saga situation, where is that landed anywhere in modern now? It's like, is it all good and everyone's having fun or is it actually a problem? That's an interesting question. So it is pretty widespread. So again, as always, we record on Mondays. So we have the results from the Saturday challenge, like the top 32. And then we have the top eight of the Sunday challenge, just from like, people posting on Twitter, essentially. In the top eight of the Sunday challenge, there is one, two, three, four out of the eight decks are Urza Saga decks. Mm-hmm. And they're all different decks. It's it's like Amulet Titan, Mono White, Hammer, Blue Red, Chef, and Eldrazi Trump. So they're very different decks. In the Saturday challenge, the top 32 this time, there are 11 decks. And once again, they're spread across several different archetypes and that's like there are i think it was 11 or 12 ragavan decks for example mm. so it's like not even the most played card yeah um but you're like happy overall should urza saga be banned i don't know like is that conversation evolving i kind of am simultaneously hearing that everyone expects it to be banned and if you've got one get rid of it and then on the other hand everyone's like modern's the best it's ever been i'm like well then surely it's fine or, or are those two things not mutually exclusive? I don't think they're mutually exclusive necessarily because part of the reason Modern is so good is the variety of decks. 
And that can also be true whilst a lot of the decks are Urza Saga decks. I don't actually think it's a problem. I think it's it's it has I think there are times when it feels really bad. Specifically any sort of I think Thoughtseize decks are quite bad right now. Because mm. Thoughtseizing your opponent and you want to take Urza Saga and you you can't because it's a land, but you know mm-hmm. that like you're playing a grindy Thoughtseize deck and they're making two constructs and then fetching up an artifact is probably going to beat you because it's a three for one, mm. but you, your hand disruption doesn't do anything. Same with counter spells. So I think there are definitely archetypes it punishes, but at the same time, it's like kind of a slow grindy card. And it also like, it does require you to play artifacts, which are traditionally a vulnerable subtype to play. They're also mm-hmm. a subtype that sometimes just gets broken, but so I think people have adjusted. There are a lot more forces. There are a lot more, engineered explosives wear tears that sort of thing and people are sort of starting to figure it out Mm. and isn't it also the case that um the urza saga enables a lot of those like doesn't it enable like five or ten decks that maybe wouldn't quite get there without it which further diversifies the the format yeah definitely i think it supports a lot of decks that haven't existed for ages i think the food decks are really cool and I think there was a bit of worry initially that the food decks were too good, but it turns out they're actually not. turns out they have some really, really good draws, but they also have a lot of really bad cards in them, or at least the mm. green-black food decks do. The new, I suppose, development is blue food decks. So both blue, red, and blue, black have been popular. Blue, red won the Saturday challenge, and blue, black had one in the top eight. And then in the Sunday challenge, blue, red once again had one deck in the top eight. So those decks play the Chef, but they also play Emery and some number of Urza usually, and they play Thought Monitor to sort of also pay off on that artifact synergy. And they're much more artifact decks rather than food decks. Yeah. I watched um, uh, Manguchi, I think it was, and he was streaming Affinity with the Thought Monitors and that. Wow. It just seems... I was like, this is right at my heart. It always... Uh, went, went and uh, hired the cards and did a league because I was like, wow, this is just so cool. They're like little mull drifters that you can cast for one blue. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, maybe you're, you're, if you're casting them for one, maybe you're a little bit ahead. But, you know, with the artifact lands, you don't have to be that far ahead to be casting them for, you know, just a few mana. And wow, it seemed the value is insane. Also, I think especially in these blue food decks, often the board that is enabling you to cast them for one mana is like six food. So you weren't yeah, yeah, really exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, definitely a cool card. I know I've been experimenting with these lists and trying to get Dragon's Rage Channeler into them. So I'm currently two in a league. So Dragon's Rage Channeler is the red 1-1 one, one for a single red. And it, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get to surveil one. And then if you have Delirium, it has flying, plus two, plus two, and it attacks each turn of fable. Oh, cool. So it's like... It's a little one drop and it, it filters and then it turns into a 3-3 flyer. And so it's it's in low plane prowess and it's really good in prowess. But I also just think from the matches I've seen, it's the filtering is really, really good, especially in these decks that are going to play Bauble and they're going to play a bunch of cheap artifacts. I've found that the filtering is really, really powerful and it incidentally flips like things you can cast with Emery or like it'll flip a Daredevil into your graveyard which you then get to just return for free when you play an artifact. Things like that. Yeah. And obviously in Prowess, it flips 
lava dart into your graveyard. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Everything I see about modern seems to say that, like, they somehow have made a set with so many powerful cards and mechanics and not completely, like, not done a hogak. It, it seems amazing. Unless there's something that someone hasn't yet figured out, which would be incredible by now. But, yeah, it seems like an absolute home run, this set. More like this, please. I do think it's really good. I'm still holding off. I'm becoming, you know, more optimistic. I'm still going to hold off for another week or two before I christen it, you know, not broken. Mm. Because how long How long did Hogak take, Kyle, to become popularized? Uh, I feel like not super long. It wasn't that long, I actually. But... They probably didn't start with Hogak. I think, like, they started on the bridge list... And it eventually worked out that Hogak was just the better version of winning with Bridge in New yeah. Graveyard. Yeah. Because previously people have been playing that, like, turn two bridge list where you had um, Vengines and you had the eight uh, XX artifact cards when, they, when the second one of those came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they started off with that shell and then eventually worked out that Hogak was the, the better way to do it. But between the Modern Horizons release and uh, PT... London or Mythic Championship London, which is probably not what it was called. Mythic Championship some number. I don't remember. <laughs> which was not a very long time between those two things. Uh, they started to work out that they should have ley lines in their main deck with how good Hogak was. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do think we're not that is that is one of the things that makes me hopeful is the fact that we're not yet at main deck hate cards, which I think is the point where the format is probably Problematic. Does main deck artifact hate count as being at that point? Because it seems like a lot of people are running main deck artifact hate. For me, only if it's a dedicated shatter. So like, sure. Colgon's command doesn't count. A braid doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 A braid doesn't count. Like, so a braid is a little bit of a sign because if you're playing a braid, you're playing it over like flame slash or something, sure. which would be a more efficient creature removal spell. So that's like a little bit, but for me, that's not necessarily a problem. Mm-hmm. It'd be if people started playing like main deck shadow. That'd be yeah, a problem. Okay. Um, although I must say, this band deck I played had a main deck Kataki in it, and it was very good. Is um now I've seen a few people play, and this may just be the the meme-y type of things that I watch, as opposed to the spiky type of things that actually win. But is Academy Manufacturer or Manufactor an actual? card in modern like is that a thing the one that if you would create a clue food or treasure instead create one of each because i watched a commander thing where someone was playing that with lone descriptor zoologist mm-hmm. and it seemed like the most fun high value maybe not you're not winning necessarily but like you're just having fun drawing cards and making a billion foods clues and and uh treasures is that a thing in modern uh the academy manufacturer or yeah it is so it it is it has yet to put up any good results in challenges for example but there have been people streaming it canister has streamed it quite a lot he in fact just went live three minutes ago with it oh amazing okay i know what i'm doing after this so he's playing a version and i know yeoman 5 also built a version which is the one canister is now playing and has moved on to and that version plays Collected Company and Court of Calling, and it has an infinite combo in it. Mm. Yeah. 
So, yes. Although, <laughs> it has an infinite combo, but I don't actually know how feasible it is to execute on Magic Online. There's a tweet here from Man 5 and he says he had a Lonus and a Manufacturer in play. He played a Manufacturer number two, courted for the third Manufacturer, then cast Collected Company with five oh, of his nine no. treasures, and he hit the yeah, fourth man. one, Oof. and another Lonus, which is three Lonus triggers, which each make 81 clues, 81 treasure, 81 food. Oh my god. Yeah, that's what I want to be doing. And he said his opponent scooped, but he was slightly worried that Moto was just going to break. Well, they, yeah, so on MTG Goldfish, they played a MH2 Commander Clash where they all had MH2 things, and Tomo was playing Lonus Cryptozoologist as a as his commander, and his deck was called I Will Break uh, Moto. <laughs> and he did. He yes. literally broke Moto. Like, it just shut, like, after a two hour game of just grinding and grinding and grinding, it. <laughs> Moto was like, okay, thanks. And then it just did that thing. It stopped and then started replaying the game. So, yeah. Yeah, people are definitely playing those decks. And when they go off, they go off really, really hard. I think there is some concern about, like, they don't really interact at all. And they're not the fastest combo deck ever. So, no, not at all. Yeah, you. Yeah. But if your opponent is doing fair things it's like and they're not super fast it's probably quite good i don't know how well positioned it is right now because it's it's probably slower than amulet and it's probably bad against the chef decks because they just kill every creature you play and wouldn't be that good against living end i wouldn't have thought Mm. so it's definitely a sweet deck though yeah has uh is every deck that is tier one in modern now using mh2 cards is has anything not take, gotten something new from MH2? Does Tron have something new? It's suggest, suggesting that Tron is tier one. Yeah, well, first of all, oh, I, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, it probably isn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Tron's made. I think mean, it hasn't been Tron. tier one forever. Yeah. Tron hasn't really put up any results recently. Of course. Um, but also, I think Tron is probably supposed to be playing as a sub. <laughs> okay. All right, so even yeah, even something as linear as that is is getting cards. The deck that comes closest, I think, is probably Black Green Yorgmoth, which is a, a combo deck that uses Yorgmoth and Undying Creatures and a bunch of creature tutors. Usually they play four Eldritch Evolution and four Court of Calling, and it, it has some infinite combos, but it's also just this like grindy creature deck. That deck got Grist and Ignoble Hierarch, and they usually only play one, maybe two Grists. So that deck didn't add a ton. And the Noble Hierarchs are replacing, like, birds or, like, you know, mm. elves or something. So they're, they're, like, not a huge upgrade. Okay. That's probably the closest. I'm looking at the rest of these decks. Blue-red... There's now blue-red Delver decks. Sometimes without Delver because Delver's the worst creature. But Delver-style decks. Apart from that, though, I think most of the decks did get new things. Because it looks like, even looking through the top vintage decks at the moment it looks like even a lot of the top vintage decks have also taken a bunch of cards from mh2 which is so funny like sets used to get released and it was like well this will be its own thing and maybe it'll break one card into i mean obviously being called modern horizons is a different thing it's not a standard set but you know maybe one card will break into a format or you know if something ever broke into legacy it'll be like wow that's must be the craziest card ever now it's like they released a set and 
legacy completely changes and half a vintage changes. Yep. Mm. Yep. Good times. Yeah. I haven't followed that much. I haven't followed vintage that closely, but I don't think anyone does. But yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think recently it cha- changes a fair bit. So the last deck I want to talk about. This is a deck which put two copies into the top eight in the Saturday challenge, which is remarkable. And it has been the the version we're currently looking at has been championed by this player whose name Mana Symbol is what he goes by. He's a streamer. He's, he's been championing this deck for a while. And this is a four-color Velomachus deck. So, for those of you who paid attention in Historic, you might remember that there was a, a, a the Time Walk deck recently, which just tried to, like, cheat Velomachus into play, which is the big Boros legendary dragon, Elder Dragon, from Law, from Lawhold in Strixhaven, and then Time Warp a bunch of times. This is the same thing, but in modern, with Teferi and Renin Six, and playing Indomitable Creativities, your, like, polymorph spell. What do you both think of this deck? Okay. I mean, maybe they were sad that Time Warp got banned in Historic and they couldn't play <laughs> it there anymore. <laughs> Um, most of it looks pretty straightforward. So, sorry, how are they cheating out Velomarchus? What what are they doing here? Uh, Indomitable Creativity on one of the dwarves that Dwarven Mine makes, because you can fetch it up. Yep, or on one of the treasure tokens from from, uh, Prismari Command. Oh, man. But yes, mostly Dwarven Mine, because you just play all mountains. Remember how Mystic Sanctuary was busted? Oh, and it's literally only got the... T- oh, my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That seems amazing. And then, uh, Velomarchus, what's on? What's its trigger when it's attacking? What's it getting? Oh, it's just getting you... Okay, turns. You look at the yeah. top seven. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. turns. Yeah. yeah. You just uh, cast time warps. Yeah, it seems awesome, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that this was the most represented deck in the top eight. <laughs> but you can't do that so... Turn three, you're getting Velomarchus. Oh, it's got haste. Wow. Yeah. Turn okay. four, you get Turn four. Yeah. Sorry. Turn yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And then it's got haste. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I guess Teferi's That's... holding a lot of things together. I think Teferi and Renin Six, the three Teferi Time Raveler, four Renin Six are, uh, yeah, holding things together for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's enough cards like Teferi and Renin Six now that you can kind of like. You can be like, look at me, I'm a deck builder. And you just put like Teferis and <laughs> Renin Sixes and things into a deck. And it's like, and then you have like some other funny little trick like this one. Yeah. Yeah, I do think this is a four color control deck. And you could replace like the eight time warps, the four indomitable creativities, and the two Vela Marcuses with like Omnaths. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because four is a lot. I mean, sure, I guess you're remanding things until you can get to four. But like four in modern is that is that the thing at the moment? Like I thought I would have thought four was just way too slow. That's interesting. So modern now is still fairly fast, but it's it's very creature centric. Almost everyone beats you with combat damage now. Whether it's you know a primeval titan, although amulet's kind of the deck that stands aside from a lot of what we're talking about. But in general, they people do beat you with creatures. Whether it's a Stoneforge or a Ragavan or a Merktide region or 
like construct tokens or you know humans or whatever there's a lot of creatures being played at the moment i think that's part of the reason the chef is so good actually is that most mm. of the format is creatures so i do think with all of the removal and interaction you can't actually get to turn four and then i think i imagine a lot of the time you put the velomarchus in play and you just immediately win yeah i would imagine so because you have eight time whilst you can hit and if you have any in your hand it's like you get one turn where you can whiff for each one that you have yeah and like, it, it doesn't matter that you land one on top if you have to cast save at the moment with your Villamarcus already in play you just go again that's fine yeah it's cool that save at the moment so it's a three mile time walk but you skip your untap step which wouldn't work with a creature attacking except that Villamarcus has vigilance yeah so uh, sorry explain this to me and if, if we don't get dwarven mine out on exactly turn four to make the one one how are we casting in total creativity what's making the the artifact well there's also four prismari commands but also dwarven mine is a mountain so you can fetch it so this deck has a bunch of fetches in it okay sure oh it's a mountain that's okay that's kind of cool yeah. wow man all right Good old Eldraine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is why Mystic Sanctuary was so busted. Yeah, I know. Yeah, with Mystic Sanctuary, it's just like, you imagine because it's blue, they're like, I'll oh, just make it an island. Like, that's fine. But the, I guess if they did that to the whole cycle in Eldraine, I guess that is pretty funny. Yeah. I really like how that... So the rest of that cycle, right? The green one actually sees play in some decks because it turns out making a food is actually quite good in some decks. Yeah. Just making a thing. The black one I don't think has ever seen play. I don't think. I think Aspiring Spike had some brews with it, but... Yeah, I don't think I've seen it in any great deck. Yeah, turns out putting a creature on top of your deck is much worse than putting a a spell on top of your deck. Yeah, for sure. And the white ones will play in standard. I think that's about it. Yep. Man. Yeah, okay. Well, it looks like fun, but yeah, as Kyle and you uh, both said, I think Teferi is really holding that one down because... I don't know, the idea of casting a four-mana uh, Indomitable Creativity just to have it countered by one of a million different spells, it kind of sounds bad to me, but I guess mm. with Teferi out, that kind of stops that happening. So, yeah. Yay, War of the Spark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, War of the Spark. It's like, it's like the long-lost Modern Horizons sibling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like like Vintage Horizons, more like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> every format. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, I like that deck. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So that's where Modern is at at the moment. I haven't played any Abzan. I've been busy playing Soul Herder and also playing uh, Emery decks because Emery is probably my favorite card ever. So I was very excited at the prospect of getting to play Chef and Emery together. And I'm going to keep fiddling with those and probably play at least one maybe two challenges on the weekend coming up cool yeah if you're streaming it or like discording it let me know Let's see if i can see if i can watch yeah absolutely you'll be up at 1am i'm sure oh at 1am oh god how do you do <laughs> well, that that's <laughs> uh you sleep during the day to be honest the 1am ones you can sleep i sleep beforehand so i'll just go to bed at nine and sleep for you know four hours or something so it's, it's yeah. actually not as bad that actually sounds kind of nice waking up at like coffee at the computer 1am yeah. let's go watching watching loki between rounds 
Yeah. The real goal, the real goal is to be playing in top eight, so that I'm still playing when you wake up and I can have people. Come oh in, my like, gosh! Yeah. On during top eight. You know? That's right. You can have Kyle and I just in the background going, yeah. "Play upheaval, play upheaval, <laughs> <laughs> get him." <laughs> there will not be an upheaval. In Absolutely not. Not modern. No. Uh, yeah. Although I think, um, again, it makes it seem like the only magic thing that I ever watch is goldfish. But <laughs> Saffron Olive did play an upheaval deck, and I think he went five zero in a league or something crazy. Let's see here. He did really well with an upheaval deck because upheaval is just one of those cards that they never expect the upheaval. Every single person we played against in the two-headed giant is like, oh, what is that? Because we're both like tap, 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 starting to put out all these dice representing our mana. (laughs) And they're like, what are you guys doing? We're like upheaval. They're like, what's that? And they're like, wait, everything goes back to our hands? Does that include lands? Like... (laughs) It is, it is, like, the fact that it bounces lands, I could, I mean, there have been versions of that that say non-land on them, right? Printed more recently. Oh, yeah, they of course. They would never in a million years print that anymore. Just oh, no bounce way. all permanents, including yeah. lands. Like. And the beauty of upheaval, and it's so unfortunate that we didn't get to experience this, because every time the opponent would be like, oh, what is this? Oh, okay. The beauty of upheaval is when you play it against someone that's not had upheaval played against them, and they're like... Oh, I'm. I mean, I'm not that far behind. I'll play my land out, like play my mana dork, and not realizing that you're like four moves ahead of them because you've got yep. three mana dorks out or whatever you've done. Yeah. You know, you've you've done it at a time that's opportunistic, obviously for yourself. Yeah, and, and they just sit there trying to play effect. it out. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It, well, no, no. It seems like a symmetrical effect. I mean, the the exact effect of the card, of course, is symmetrical. But the fact that it's on your turn makes it completely asymmetrical. Yeah, unless you're doing a desperation upheaval, which is mm. kind of also where we found ourselves, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, good times. Well, I think that'll about do us for this week. We will be back next week, of course, hopefully with Trent in tow. Hello. Oh, oh my gosh. He's here. He's, he's yeah. risen from the grave. <laughs> he's lurking. I, th- I thought the Discord notification from before was... Papak accidentally joining a different chat again. <laughs> <laughs> he said when he was looking for the link. Oh, no. But I see you're in general chat this time, which is maybe why he didn't manage to, to switch chats accidentally. <laughs> well, welcome, Trent. You can't close the show without me with the signature sign-off now. No, absolutely. So, thank you for listening. This is the Faction Podcast. We'll be back next week. Bye, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs>